Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Friday, July the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the supplemental draft is coming next week, and the Dolphins are reportedly interested in two entrants for the draft. We'll get you caught up on that. Plus, the great Zach Thomas injustice. How the hell is he not in the Hall of Fame? We'll talk about that and wrap up the week with Futility Friday. But first, I have to ask you guys, please, to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review once you guys have gotten there. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL and follow the show at Locked On Fins, and of course, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com, and last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat and Locked On NBA podcast for all the off-season and free agency moves all you basketball fans are craving. So check out those podcasts. Let's go ahead and talk about some football here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on First Down. That's another Miami Dolphins not very often in the July month that we get news across the desk, and I forgot to get to this news on yesterday's podcast, the Thursday podcast, but just in case you guys didn't hear it, Julian Edelman, Patriots wide receiver, slot receiver, missed all of 2017 with a knee injury, comes back in 2018, gets popped for a four-game suspension for PEDs, and that suspension will be upheld. His appeal request was denied, meaning the best receiver on the Patriots team, minus their tight end Rob Gronkowski, will miss the first four weeks of the game of the season, including a week four showdown with the Dolphins in Foxborough, and the Dolphins get themselves a very small victory here in July. And speaking of victories in July, the possibility of adding a player this time of year is an interesting prospect for a number of reasons. One, these guys that go into the supplemental draft as we shift gears here, talking about the supplemental draft on July 11th next Wednesday, is These guys enter this thing because there was some type of character issue or off-the-field quality that got them into trouble that didn't allow them to enter the NFL's regular draft. And actually, one of the bigger name ones was probably Josh Gordon. And he's had exactly the kind of career you'd expect a guy that went into that draft to have a second-round draft pick in that supplemental draft. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with what the supplemental draft is, you have a right to claim a player in this year's draft And it takes away that draft pick coinciding with next year's draft class. So let's say the Dolphins pick 32nd in the draft next year after they win a Super Bowl championship. If they put in a claim for a second round draft pick and they get rewarded the guy or awarded the guy, I should say, then they will give up the 64th pick in the draft for doing that. So there's a couple of cornerbacks in the supplemental draft that everybody seems to be in on. And that includes our own Miami Dolphins, despite the fact that this is a position with quite a bit of depth in Miami. I think everyone feels pretty good about Xavier Howard. I don't know how you wouldn't feel good about Bobby McCain unless you were living under a rock in 2017. And then Cordrea Tankersley, for all of his own intents and purposes, had a pretty good season as well. And then you have some depth there with guys like Tony Lippett. Torrey McTire got onto the field last year. Cornell Armstrong, a sixth-round draft pick. A lot of folks seem to like. A couple of undrafted guy, or yeah, undrafted free agents that have made their names heard in camp. But nonetheless, a deep position. But the Dolphins have kicked around the tires on these couple of prospects. Let's go ahead and start with the first one. He is Sam Beal of Western Michigan, and he actually is unique in the sense that he's not 
in any kind of trouble off the field, doesn't have any character concerns that got him kicked off of a football team or something like that, which is typically the case. He just didn't enter the draft when he should have, and he wants to come out right now, and he wants to play professional football this year, and he entered the season as a projected first-round draft pick in 2019, which in 2018 supplemental draft has him sitting in what sounds like a second to third round range, at least as reported by Matt Miller, the NFL draft scout for Bleacher Report, said that several AFC teams have put in bids in rounds two through three. So the uniqueness of the supplemental draft is that you don't get to go round by round and say, I'm going to put the pick in now because he's available. You have to submit it before the draft occurs. And then wherever the highest bid on him is, that's what draft pick he gets selected with. So if the Dolphins want to put in a third round pick on him and the Browns, for instance, put a second round bid on him, he goes to the Browns in the second round and the Dolphins never had a chance to actually draft him in that second round because their bid was too high. So he is a six foot one, 190 pound cornerback that loves contact. He can run. He's physical, plays the brand of football the Dolphins want to play out there on the edge. So if you're feeling a lack of confidence in Cordray Tankersley, this would be a guy to go ahead and target. And if you can do it in the third, I guess that would be doable. But even then, you look at the depth of the position, you don't want to put any more progress blockers in there. But this guy wouldn't be a progress blocker, but then you'd have an even bigger logjam at the position. So he's an option. He doesn't have any off-the-field traits that would bother you. So definitely something to look at there. But the other one, is a Power 5 program standout named Adonis Alexander from Virginia Tech. And the reason he's in this position is for multiple failed drug tests, had some actions that weren't necessarily up to standard by playing college football. And he had some comments talking to Tom Pelissero on NFL.com saying, I thought I was untouchable, but as I got older, I realized the other opportunities or I had, or the opportunity that I was messing up back then, I was probably a more in the moment guy, didn't really look ahead. So he was definitely a young guy that had to learn how to become a professional, how to become a young man. And it sounds like he's maybe getting himself onto that track, but he's is also a physical marvel, a guy that can play some really good football. He's six foot three and really just a tremendous athlete. And he has a chance to get himself picked up in this one too. Not a lot of reports on where he might go, but I would be surprised if he didn't get selected on Wednesday as well. So the Dolphins have kicked the tires on a couple of these guys. There is more on this on LockedOnDolphins.com. Our writer, Kadeem Simmons, wrote a great piece up there, kind of chronologically detailing why these guys got in this position, position, some of the notes from scouts around the league, and just check that out. So go to LockedOnDolphins.com and check out more. We're going to talk more on this podcast about the Miami Dolphins, including the great Zach Thomas injustice. We'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Lockdown Fins. This segment is was derived from Thursday's all-time Dolphins team piece talking about Zach Thomas making five all-pro teams. And I was looking around the league trying to find other guys that had made all-pro teams five times that are not in the Hall of Fame. And it's pretty rare. So I wanted to look at some of the things that Zach Thomas did, where he is all-times in terms of NFL stats, and just the general perception of what kind of player he was among other players and coaches and scouts when he was playing and why he's not in the Hall of Fame or why he's really not even considered he's a complete afterthought when it comes to the hall of fame. And I don't understand why that is. And here's my case for why I don't understand that. And while the NFL doesn't actually have a list of all time tackles leaders, you have to think that Zach Thomas, because it was a stat that wasn't always tracked in the NFL would be right along the top of that. He spent 12 years in Miami and with the dolphins racked up over 1000 tackles in his 12 years, averaging about 
almost 100 tackles a year with the Dolphins in 12 seasons. And then if you add the assists in there as well, 600 additional assists go into that number as well. As far as a linebacker taking the football away, the 17 interceptions as a linebacker, four back to the house for touchdowns. He was always running the football, 16 forced fumbles, one per year. Not an easy thing for linebackers to do in the league. He gets himself 19 and a half sacks as a Dolphin, 20 and a half career. Obviously, blitzing was not his strong point, and neither was you know running out to the sideline to cover a back, but he did so much with the little athletic ability that he did have that he just popped every time you watched him on tape. And you say, okay, well, the stats are nice, but this isn't all about statistics. It's about how the player impacted the game. What type of fear did he strike in the opposition's offensive coordinator? And that just brings me to the point that I cannot get over. It's the five all-pro teams, which actually is tied for seventh most in NFL history. And there's a laundry list of guys that have made the pro, that have made all-pros five times in their career. But even despite that, the fact that he's among these great, great players in the same list as all these great players, he's a total afterthought. So I wanted to look at some of the other guys at his position that are in the hall and what their career marks are as far as all pros made. And he, once again, is right there among these peers, but is considered a inferior player to these other guys. I'm going to go down this list here of some guys that played in his era as well as some guys before him and then one guy that was a long time ago and compared their all pro so up first is brian erlacher who just got into the hall of fame we all know about him longtime great chicago bear a hell of a football player and absolutely deserving brian erlacher made four first team all pros and one second team all pro now zach had two second team all pros so he was at five and two brian erlacher at four and one to me, that sounds like he was the more dominant player over the course of his career, had a better stretch of prime years where he was the very best middle linebacker in the entire NFL. We're not talking about Pro Bowl, replacement players at the Pro Bowl, fan vote. This is AP voted, press voted guys that were the first best player at their position in the league. And Zach Thomas did it five times, was a second team guy twice. So Brian Erlacher four times and once. You go to Derek Brooks down Tampa Bay. Also a five-time first-team All-Pro, but he had four second-team All-Pros. Once again, a guy that is unanimously regarded as a Hall of Fame-level football player, yet Zach, right behind him in some of those stats, isn't there for some reason. Go next to the next guy on the list, Ray Lewis. Seven first-team All-Pros, three second-team All-Pros, one murder. Pretty impressive numbers there, especially the murder, getting away with that, winning more Super Bowls after the murder. So he has an impressive mark of 10 total All-Pro teams, but... Like I said, this is where Zach kind of comes into comparison. He's not that far behind this guy that's regarded as the best linebacker to ever play the game. Go down the list even further. One of the all-time sack artists of the NFL, Kevin Green, made three first-team All-Pros and zero second-team All-Pros. So he had three compared to Zach seven. You go further down the list, down to the 60s, Sam Huff made two first-team All-Pros, and he gets himself into the Hall of Fame. So Zach did double, more than double, what Sam Huff did in terms of first-team All-Pros and still isn't even considered anywhere near the Hall of Fame at this point. So this is a very hot topic. that It just sincerely pisses off Dolphins fans. It pisses me off. I don't understand why this is the case, but it's what we have to deal with. But I guess if we tweet about it enough, we talk about it on podcasts enough, maybe it'll eventually will get changed. But let's go ahead and shift to another topic that is also disparaging, but in a totally self-deprecating and fun way. It is Futility Friday, next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, at Wingful NFL, at Lockdown Fins. It is Friday, it's almost time for the weekend, and you guys know what that means here in the summer months. It is time for Futility Friday as we fire up the music and talk about the fantastic 2006 season when it came down to Dante Culpepper and Drew Brees. That's the number one topic here we're looking at. The Dolphins went with Culpepper over Drew Brees 
hoping that he could get them to the Super Bowl championship that year. So much off-season hype coming off the knee injury. Obviously, no Drew Brees in the house. Dolphins predicted to win the whole Super Bowl by Sports Illustrated that year. And then Dante Culpepper comes in, plays four games for the Dolphins, throws two touchdowns and three picks, is under seven yards per attempt. The Dolphins' offense as a whole scored 17 6 13, and 15 points in Culpepper's four games. Absolutely atrocious effort by the Dolphins quarterback. And then he gets hurt, comes out for the year, never plays for the Dolphins ever again. And that brings on the venerable Joey Harrington, who comes into the lineup, loses three consecutive games, throwing seven picks in those three games, gets the Dolphins out to a 1-6 start. But then they rebound, and they win four games in a row under Joey Harrington, including a Thanksgiving Day victory in Detroit against his former team where he posted the best game as a Dolphin, 107.4 quarterback rating with three touchdowns in that contest. And then back to Joey Harrington for three out of the final four games. Dolphins get beat up on by the Jacksonville Jaguars by 14 points. They beat the New England Patriots 21-0, lose to the Bills 21-0, and then lose to the Jets 10-13. Joey Harrington for the year, 12 touchdown passes, 15 interceptions, a 68.2 passer rating on the year. And that is how Futility Friday winds up here on the podcast. And just brings me back to... I think that was the first year that I was really, like, really all the way in as a Dolphins fan in terms of, like, I'm not going to miss a game. I'm not going to – I'm going to talk about this on the message boards. I'm going to be very active and involved in this team. I was so excited about the twenty to the 2005 team after winning six games to close the season, and then all that offseason hype, it led to a big, fat nothing burger. And here we are a decade later celebrating just two playoff appearances since that time, one divisional title since that time and a whole bunch of quarterbacks we still have to get to on Futility Friday. We'll do that on future episodes, but as for this podcast, that will put a bow on it. And next time I talk to you guys, we will be exactly one month away from the preseason opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But even better, the episode we have on Monday when I talk to you guys again features special guest Brett Coleman of the Battle Red blog. He is a film guru and an absolute dynamo when it comes to breaking down football stuff. So we'll talk to him. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fans and check out LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday with Brett Coleman for another edition of Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, guys.